Thank you for joining us for our weekly Calvary Church podcast. During this sermon series, Raising Up a Voice, we are going to be investigating the idea of making disciples. I believe that God has set eternity in the hearts of all men. And we all want to make a difference that lasts even beyond our own lifetimes. In this series, we're going to investigate just how to do that. So listen carefully. For more information on this message or to listen to other teachings, visit us at InvernessCalvary.com. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more through our website or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for listening today and God bless you. Well, I, um, you know, in thinking about moms, you can't help but think about the things that moms say. I think moms say things that fall into three categories, the illogical, the logical, and the sarcastic. See if you've ever heard any of these. The illogical, don't look at me with those eyes. Think about it. Think about it. If you keep making that face, it'll freeze that way. I don't know why this was said, but I know I heard it. If you're going to act like a child, I'm going to treat you like a child. <laughs> Quiet down. I can't even hear myself think. How about the logical? As long as you are under my roof, you will live by my rules. That's very logical. That, that works. God gave you a brain. Use it. These are all coming up from my freedom session when I was getting free from all of these <laughs> statements. The logical statement, ask a stupid question get a stupid answer. Yes, that's, that's very, very logical. The sarcastic ones are great because I, I know none of these. Uh, how about this? Are your legs broken? <laughs> you know, the famous one, if your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? Yeah. Shut the door behind you. Were you born in a barn, right? which I am absolutely certain that most of us did not grow up on farms and we had no idea what that meant. I was like, what is a barn and what is born there and lives there? Usually I heard this one after something uh, crashed. There was a sound uh, usually in the house and then my mother would say, someone better be bleeding. Or the last one, and I think this is the, the scariest one for all children, but the most sarcastic and the most truthful statement of all, when you have kids, I hope they are just like you. 
Oh, moms are terrific. Moms are terrific. It's so, it's so true. Today, I, I'm going to share a message in our series called Raising Up a Voice called A Mother's Calling. Uh, a Mother's Calling. And I, I want you to think of this, men uh, and young people in the room, uh, not only as a message to mothers, but you could actually call this a father's calling. But we're going to learn a lesson from a mother in the scriptures. We're going to learn something from the scriptures about what we are actually all called to do. And actually many mothers today that are here are already modeling these principles. But we're going to highlight them. And I want everybody to grab hold of them. Because you and I have a calling from God to raise up a voice. A voice is not just someone who sings or someone who is loud. It is that somebody who has an impact with their life for Jesus Christ. That when they go into places, when they go into schools and on their jobs, they're, they're coming in there and they're changing the atmosphere. It's the calling to be a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. We find in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, Yet you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. We, we're, we're going to review this over the next few weeks, that God is calling us not only to, to teach principles, but to father people. Literally, the other biblical word for fathering people is to make a disciple with our life. Believers, we are called to make disciples. Matthew 28 says this very clearly. We call this the great uh, commission. It says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. And, and, and despite this scripture, and despite being a part of what, uh, you know, uh, we cl we're classified as a church as evangelical, those who believe that it is our responsibility to actually share the good news. Do you know what the good news is? That God is not counting men's sins against them. That he actually sent his only son to come to die in our place. That his blood was given as payment for our sins. A payment which we could not pay. And we who believe in him by faith will never die but have eternal life through his only son. That's good news. That we can have relationship. We are called to go and share this good news. And yet, in churches just like ours, only three out of ten have shared the gospel with one person over the last 12 months. Three out of ten, which says something. Either we're not talking about it or, or sharing about it, which I, I, I believe that's why God has us talking about it and sharing about it. Or we're ignoring the fact we're saying yes to the principle but no to the practice and god wants us to say yes see we have a responsibility to reverse this trend and answer god's invitation to be a part of a global awakening even right here in america today's message is called a mother's calling if you want to turn in your bibles you can turn the, to first samuel chapter one first samuel chapter one 
This is about a, a woman named Hannah. 1 Samuel chapter 1, and uh, we're actually going to use the principles that, that Hannah uh, uh, walked in before she was ever given a child. But these are principles that, that actually we can employ as, as, as mothers today, as fathers today, and I would actually also say as peers to a generation who need Christ desperately. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 2 through 8 uh, is a little bit of the background to this story, and we're going to read it together. It says, and he had two wives. This is where the story is messed up from the very beginning. Because no man can handle two wives. And I don't know what went wrong with Solomon. 300 wives. Anyways, he needed wisdom from heaven. All right. And he had two wives. Uh, the name of one of them was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Uh, this, this man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, and the priests of the Lord were there. And whenever the time came for uh, Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and all her sons and daughters. But uh, to Hannah, he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb, and you could add in parentheses for a time. And her rival also provoked her se uh, severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was, year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. And then she wept and did not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart so grieved? Am I not better than ten sons? I want to give you this as a, as a background so that you understand uh, the setting in which all of this is happening. There's a great conflict going on in this house. Hannah is barren. And her husband is actually trying to be a great husband. He's trying to love on her and, and give her gifts and satisfy her. And he even asks this question at the end. He says, am I not better than ten sons? And by the way, the implied answer from reading the rest of the story is, no, honey, you're not. But why would she feel that way? Why would she even answer that way? It's because she knew that her life was meant to produce something and even produce something for the Lord. I want you to notice a few things here today in the opening. Hannah's opposition always showed up when it was time to worship. Hannah had this thing that she was dealing with and it always showed up when it was time to worship. Can I, can, I, can I just speak to the people who are here today? The greatness that God is calling you to 
doesn't have anything to do with your condition today. It has to do with the greatness of the God that you serve. And so Hannah, every time she tries to come to worship and she's trying to worship God, this opposition shows up. And many times in the lives of believers, uh, we, you know, we, we're, we have this area of life where we are not fruitful yet. And we come into worship services and we somehow let that rob us of an encounter with God. This is a real truth, and I believe it goes on every single Sunday. And the Holy Spirit wants, wants to, to awaken us to the fact that it's the enemy's plan to get us to blame God so, we, so that we don't turn to God. We somehow look at the things that are going on in our life. Maybe, maybe we did them to ourselves, or maybe they happened to us. And the enemy says, just blame God. For your problem instead of going to God to solve the problem. And I know the Holy Spirit is saying today, listen, regardless of where you find yourself today, whatever area that you find yourself not being fruitful in, the answer is not turning your back on God. It's turning your face to Him. Because opposition always shows up in worship. Have you ever noticed your mind goes here and it goes there? And, and glorious praise going on and your heart grieved over that one thing or two things that you're personally dealing with. Elkanah reasoned, if, if my wife is blessed with more than enough food and attention, that would soothe her sorrow, but that just wasn't so. And I, you could write this down. Walking in your calling is the only thing that produces contentment in your condition. It's when you actually begin to walk in your calling that contentment comes. And there is something about coming into agreement with God over his plan for your life, regardless of what you see right now in front of you, that is what brings contentment. So in this story of Hannah that we're going to walk through from 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2, we're going to find out some things that mothers are called to, but you could write down, if you're taking notes here, uh, men, fathers are called. Uh, uh, young people, you could write down in uh, believers are called. These principles go, 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 go far beyond just mothers. However, typically in our society, mothers most, let me say it this way, best exemplify these principles. Mothers are first of all, this is our calling, called to pray. In the midst of this whole situation that she's going through, Hannah turns to God in prayer. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, it says this, So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. She didn't eat. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul. And listen, and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. 
Notice what she did when her soul was, was literally marred with heaviness. She turned to the Lord in prayer. Verse 12 through 18 says this, and it happened as she continued, notice, praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now, Hannah spoke in her heart and only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Verse 20, one other final uh, verse from this section. So it came to pass that in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel because... I have asked or prayed for him from the Lord. Hannah gives us the model which many mothers today live. Hannah prayed. Hannah prayed. In the midst of an anguish of soul, Hannah prayed. She cried out to the Lord. And I want to say this. It's a powerful statement. Intercession is the remedy for spiritual barrenness. Intercession, crying out to the Lord from a pure place, is a remedy for spiritual barrenness. If you as a father or a mother or a son today find yourself in a place of barrenness, you're concerned for someone else in your family, the answer isn't throwing up your hands and throwing them away. It is say, God, I am coming to you in prayer. I know my mother was a praying mother. She still is a praying mother. As a child, I can remember getting into so many situations where I literally uh, could have lived out one of those sayings. Uh, this one, especially, you're going to shoot your eye out. Yeah, that almost happened for me. I actually had a BB land on the very edge of my eyelid as a child. And secretly, for three days, there was a fog over my left eye. I never told my parents. I was like, I don't want her to be right. Luckily, it didn't go in my eye. It just barely caught the edge of my eyelid. My mom was a praying mom. She had no idea. Uh, uh, you know, when I was a kid, uh, every car was extra large. Anybody ever remember those, uh, the Ford LTDs? I mean, they were literally like trains on the road. <laughs> my family actually at one point had a, a, a Ford Thunderbird from the 80s, which basically was, was this peach-colored car with eyelids. You know, you remember that? They, they look like eyelids to me. You know, they would cover up the lights, and, you know, that was, that was kind of a neat thing. I don't know why. But um, I'll never forget as a child, these long, long vehicles, they were all two doors, and the doors weighed about 300 pounds. And, um, 
And there was no safety precautions. You put, you, you put babies in the back window. Remember that? Uh, the, uh, no safety precautions, basically. But I will remember one day my mother uh, took us. Uh, there, was, uh, there were three uh, littles uh, of us. I was the oldest of the, the three smallest. And she took us and she says, okay, listen, I'm going to stop quickly at this store. I'm going to just stop right in front of it. i got to run and get one thing. Do not get out of the car. Do not get out of the car. And so we're parked right in front of this store. Uh, cars are kind of going uh, past us in Lakeland. And uh, like any good son, I didn't listen. And I remember I somehow got the seat pushed forward. And then uh, when I reached up and opened the door, a car drove by and whacked it. I, this is why my mother said those statements to me. <laughs> but uh, but here's, what, here's what you need to realize. It's like, you, you know how close that was to being much worse? And you know what I don't remember? I don't remember my mother berating me or doing any of that. I, I remember the tow truck taking the car away uh, because it, it couldn't be driven <laughs> with a, a door that was wrapped around. I remember my mom going, thank God you're okay. Thank God you're okay. And I, I just, I, I just want to say that if you're a son in here that did any half of the stupid things that I did, you need to look at your mom today and say, thank you for praying. Because intercession made a difference, I know, in my own life. And I want to say this all to all of us today. Intercession will make a difference in all of our lives, and not only in our lives, but in the lives of our children. It'll make a difference in the lives of our friends. It will make a difference. Hannah's prayers were shaping the future of her son, the one she didn't yet have. But I do want you to note her battles. It said that she had bitterness of soul. Where, where, was, this t where was this aimed? It was the, 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 the bitterness of soul wasn't aimed in these, these, these temptation points. These temptation points is that she would be bitter towards family. She's got, she's got this testing going on. And, and, and here's the other woman saying, you know what? God's never going to do this for you. God's never going to come through for you. And the temptation was to be bitter towards family. And I, I, I would say never take the enemy up on being bitter in any area. Notice that in this story, she also could have been bitter towards Eli. Well, who does that priest think he is? We find out in other places that Eli was pudgy, to say the least. The scriptures call him fat. He had his own sort of, uh, uh, own mess of problems, his sons doing horrible things, and he's calling out a woman in intercession, true intercession. He's calling her drunk. And there was this temptation to get bitter. Do you know that 
the enemy will always sow misunderstanding right before you're going to get breakthrough. And there will be these opportunities to try to derail you right before you get breakthrough. And you, and you legitimately could be right. But Hannah did not take this opportunity to become bitter at him. She said, not so, Lord. And she answered in humility, which actually led to a blessing, which led to her breakthrough. She also could have been bitter towards God. She could have said, God, you're the one that did this to me. I'm not praying. I'm not living for you. And many people find themselves in that condition today. There may be some people even here today that in some way your heart is offended at God because we, uh, in some silent way, blame him for something that's gone on in our life. And most of the time, it was either us or the devil. Never take up the enemy's invitation to become bitter. Only take up God's invitation to come and intercede and believe. The common voices of life, they shout what will never be. But God's voice shouted to Hannah and is shouting to us, says nothing is impossible. Jesus, when he cursed the fig tree walking on the way, to the synagogue, comes back and it is withered. And we find this famous passage in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, after the disciples are exclaiming, Lord, look, this tree is withered that you cursed. Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things, he says, will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. God is saying, listen, I want you today, when you answer your calling to prayer, believe that you receive. Speak to the mountain in faith. Many moms are, are, are doing just that. And fathers need to do it. And sons and daughters need to do it. We need to answer God's call to believe and receive. To not look at our, 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 our fruitless situation and throw our hands up in disgust and say, this will never change. No, no, no. We throw up our hands in worship and say, our God changes everything. Hannah had a natural desire to be a mother that actually overlapped God's desire to make Israel fruitful, and God heard a prayer. I, 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 I want to say this today. Be careful. Be careful not to underestimate the desires that God put in your heart. You have no idea the greatness that God has intended behind them. I think in her heart, Hannah really just wanted to be a mom. But God saw something in her desire that would change the nation. Her prayers would not only change her family, but they would change Israel. And I believe today, church, mothers, that your prayers will not only change your family, they could change our nation. Church, if we'll pray, it won't only change us as a church. I believe God will raise up voices that will lead in their generation. 
who will preach and proclaim and reach people for the glory of God. We're called to pray. Mothers are also called to give. Notice what it says in 1 Samuel 111. This is in the prayer. It says, Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but you but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And we'll talk about that statement in just a moment. Later on in 1 Samuel, at verse 25 through 28, it says this, Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli, and she said, O my Lord, as my soul lives, my my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord, As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. I want want you to look at something here. Her greatest desire is for a child. But then she does something magnificent with that desire. She gives it away. She gives it away. And I, I, I want to I say something that is, is challenging to the way that, that, that we oftentimes think. I think God uh, puts all kinds of dreams in the hearts of believers. All kinds of dreams in the hearts of mothers. Which are good and most of them from heaven. But I want to say this. It is when you take those dreams and you plant them in the heart of God that they genuinely bear the fruit that God intended When you actually release a dream to the Lord, most of the time, here's what I find. God says, okay, now you can have that dream and more. The willingness to give her greatest desire to the Lord was the seed that God used to change history. You say, how how can that be? How can that be? You, You see, Samuel... Samuel was the voice that came along and spoke to the priest that was raising him and said, God's not pleased with you anymore. He's going to remove you from the priesthood. Not because of you, but because of your sons. And they they haven't been corrected. And he says that God is going to raise up another in your place. As a young boy, a young voice. He begins to make these great statements that would shape the nation and shape history. He started talking about Jesus. You know, many of the stories of Samuel touch in history. He actually was uh, instructed to anoint the first king, Saul, and he did it. He told them exactly what God was, what was thinking about that. Listen, if you have a king, listen, it's, it's, it's not going to go the same way as me being your king. But he did it in obedience to God, and he anoints Saul. He is also the one that would later come to Saul and say, listen, you have lost out with God. Why? Because you want the favor of people more than you want the favor of God. He didn't walk in obedience to God. 
he would also be the one that wanders onto the property of a man named Jesse who lines up his sons before him. And he looks at all of them and says, none of these are the next king. Do you have another? And Jesse says, oh, I have this other son, but he's out with the sheep. He says, where is he? He goes and finds David. And Samuel is the one that anoints David. And I, I want you to understand something. Samuel, the one Hannah was praying for, anointed David, the one Jesus came through. What? We thought Hannah just wanted to be a mom. Uh-uh. God was looking for a kingdom that would never end. He wanted to bring redemption into the, the whole of the cosmos. Hannah just wanted a son, but God's desire was released when Hannah gave. Hannah gave, and she didn't want to give him just a common gift. She wanted to give him a gift that was holy. You see, Samuel was a Nazarite. Remember, she said that statement, and no razor will come upon his head. A Nazarite is somebody who would be dedicated unto the Lord, not by family lineage. He, he didn't come through the Levitical priesthood. He came by choice. And Samuel is a picture of, of New Testament believers who don't come by family, but who come by choice to receive the grace of God through his son. And, and Hannah says, I want to give a son by choice, not for just a specific time, but his whole life. She says, no razor will come upon his head. You find out about the Nazarites. They don't touch dead things. They, uh, famous ones in the, the Scripture were not only Samuel, but Samson. Uh, even the Apostle Paul in the New Testament is thought to have taken a Nazarite vow in Acts, in the book of Acts, when he goes to visit Jerusalem. It was very common, and that, that was only for a time. But Samuel was a Nazarite. The word Nazir in Hebrew means consecrated. To consecrate. See, Hannah wanted to give something that was consecrated to the Lord. And here's what I know about moms. Moms want to raise up sons and daughters, if you could just dare to hear me on this, who are consecrated to the Lord, who live for God. And if you're a, 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 a son or a daughter here today and you're living for God, listen, uh, I, I, I know most of the, the things that have happened in my life are by the grace of God through the prayers of my grandmother and the, through the prayers of my parents and through the prayers of my mother. And if it wasn't your parents, some spiritual parent was praying for you. Somebody was believing for you. Somebody had, it, it, but you see, God had something in his heart that he just didn't want you to just show up. He actually wants you to be given as a gift. Holy and consecrated so that you could bring about the change that he desires. That's what God desires. 
The greatest desire of every mother is to see their children fully given to the call upon their lives. Samuel became so power, such a powerful prophet that the Scripture said none of his words fell to the ground, which means that not even his, com- even his common words, they accomplished what God intended. It says of Samuel that they knew that there was a prophet in the land from Dan to Beersheba, north to south. It was like they knew that there was a man who could hear God. And it started with a mother crying out and a mother giving. And I want to challenge every uh, father and mother here today is to give your kids room to answer the call of God on their life. Give them room to explore who God wants them to be. We have, we have no evidence that the people in his lineage, in Samuel's lineage, ever lived like this. But here's what we do know. That he had a mom who said, Son, you're going to be what God wants you to be. I think oftentimes the danger that we live in is we, we try to make our children become what we want them to be rather than releasing them to be what God wants to be. I know that's not easy. Believe me. I've been in many award banquets because my daughter is a senior. And that moment is quickly arriving in the end of August while I will drive her away and leave her at her new dorm and, and, and she will be there answering her call on her life. So I'm going to play this message on my way there in August. (laughs) See, our children have a greatness assigned to their life. And we're called to give them to their assignment as a gift to this world. We're called to give. And lastly, we're called to rejoice. Moms are called to rejoice. 1 Samuel 2, 1 and 2 says this, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. That means her strength. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is no one beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Hannah lifted up her voice to declare the greatness of God. In the moment where where she got breakthrough, in the moment where she was about to release this son into God's plan, she isn't weeping over having to make good on her vow to God. She's rejoicing at the fact that God is going to get the gift that she wants to sow. She's rejoicing, and I would say, church, when we start to raise up spiritual sons and daughters, we, 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 our hearts should not grow envious when they go farther and run faster than we ever did. That's what they're supposed to do. We should rejoice with them. When God promotes them and uses them, we should celebrate them. Hannah knew that her posterity 
was called to do something great for God. And so she rejoiced. I recently was talking to my mom and, and heard a story that I had never heard before. Um, we came along, the, the three of us came along a little later. Um, I was, uh, my mother was 32 when, when she gave birth to me, and then two years later, uh, my younger sister, and then almost two years later, my younger sister even still. But age 31, she walked into a doctor's office, and they said, Rosita, you have stage four cervical cancer. This was just after she had married my father. And she said that in that moment, she, she, she said, you do what you can, but I am not letting you remove everything. She goes, I know I'm supposed to have children. I know I'm supposed to have children. They, they went in, and, and literally the, the surgeons, uh, remember this is 1971, the surgeons were amazed at how the cancer was removed, and they got all of it and didn't have to remove all of the reproductive organs. It was a short time after 1972, Valentine's Day, that I was born. And then my, my, my sisters would come along as well. My mom told me this in light of, she says, at 31 years old, standing there, I had a choice to just go the safest route and just have it all removed or to take a risk and believe God. And say, God, I know you're able to do something here. She would write in a note to me, I believe I had faith then because of what God called you to do, son. And so she rejoices. She's ex actually excited when she hears about what God is doing here. She's overwhelmed. Matter of fact, she was texting me, my mother, my 76-year-old mother is texting me, which is fun because I have to translate it. I'm like, oh, what did that mean? <laughs> um, she's texting me saying, God's going to do awesome things there this morning. She's rejoicing. Now, here's, here's what I want to say. God wants us to rejoice when we get breakthrough in prayer. God wants us to stand and believe. God wants us to give the great greatness of our, our dreams. God wants us to rejoice when God gives us and shows us the meaning behind our prayers, our kids, our life, and our legacy. She rejoiced Hannah. She rejoiced to exclaim her own breakthrough. I love what 
Jesus says in, in, in John 16, 23, it says, In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. When you get answered prayer and when you realize that there is greatness that you're called to raise up in other people and you begin to see them walking in it, it God is saying, rejoice. Let your heart come alive. Rejoice in the breakthroughs. Celebrate them. Celebrate the praise reports. Celebrate the healings. Celebrate the salvations. Celebrate the rededication. Celebrate someone getting free from addiction. Celebrate someone getting set free from depression. Celebrate it. Celebrate a marriage that God's involved in. Celebrate a family that loves God. Celebrate. Many times we're just looking at what we're missing. Instead of celebrating what God has given. I believe Hannah rejoiced for an example. When, we, when God moves, rejoice. And he will move. My final admonishment to everyone here today is to give your mother reason to rejoice. Give your mother a gift, reason to rejoice. You say, what would cause my mom to rejoice? You living in wholehearted devotion to God. Nothing else matters. You say, my mom's already passed away. Well, I know she's rooting for you from heaven. She's praying and standing and believing, going wholehearted. Live wholehearted for him. Give him everything. Don't waste a moment. Live out your calling. You want to give the greatest Mother's Day gift of all? Give her her desire that you would live for him. podcast raising up a voice i believe god is going to use each one of us to raise up the next generation to follow hard after christ our prayer for you is that you accept god's invitation to live this supernatural lifestyle of imparting the grace and the power of god to the next generation please if this message has had an impact on you, take time to connect with us and share what God is doing in your life through this ministry. You can connect with us through our website, InvernessCalvary.com, or by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks again for listening to this message, and God bless.